Salutation Starlights. I am your exquisite host, Rhea, and I use they, them, and theirs pronouns only. I would love to offer you a warm welcome to this podcast, Babylon Rising, a queer podcast about liberatory magics, art, and the occult. This episode, we'll be enjoying a conversation on the topic of altered states of consciousness and magical thinking, arguably the foundation of most magical practices, or all magical practices, but I'm not willing to die on that hill because I don't know of every magical practice that exists. Um, anyways, uh, still, these are very important elements in most magic that we do today. The definition of an altered state of consciousness is pretty simply uh, a state of consciousness which differs drastically from our typical waking state. Um, magical thinking is not exactly the same thing. It's the belief that like your thoughts or ideas can influence reality. These are both pretty important to somebody's magical practice, generally speaking, like I said. Um, our typical waking state isn't generally conducive to magic because of things like uh, the psychic sensor, which is when people have the great ability to ignore and dismiss completely genuinely strange or unusual occurrences, which is obviously important in our mundane lives. Uh, without it, we might dissolve into uh, obsessive paranoia, if every single day we lived in some kind of psychedelic fog of constant magical or occult experiences, I imagine it would be quite debilitating. And so, you know, nobody should rag completely on something like a psychic sensor. Uh, it is important, it has its uses, but it's not exactly helpful when we are trying to do magic. So another reason the typical waking mind isn't quite all that, you know, it doesn't work all that well with when we're trying to do magic is sometimes we run into the lust, the lust, sorry, for results where you can become so obsessed with the desired outcome that you basically spoil the spell um, and also obsessing over the doubt of the effectiveness of your rituals. Um, you know, any way you spin it, generally your typical state isn't for doing magic. It's for, you know, living the day-to-day, -day, living your mundane life, life, you know, surviving in consensus reality. These are the things that our waking mind is really, really good for, you know? Not necessarily good for all that magical stuff that we would like to do as well. Um, magical thinking, is super helpful in combating these issues um, for the sake of having effective spellcraft, but it can be difficult to employ because it's essentially just really, really believing the magic will work. Uh, you know, the old West Indian saying that goes, belief kills and belief cures comes to mind for me. It's something my mom used to say constantly and pretty much still repeats to this day. One way to enable magical thinking can be to consider your magical paradigm. How do you think magic even works? I get the sense that if you have an answer to this question, the magical thinking can come 
more easily you know does your magic work because you get your power from god uh because we're all energy and magic is just energy manipulation is it the placebo effect um and obviously you can always play with which paradigm is um, at play in a given circumstance or magical operation you know if you have no idea how magic could possibly conceivably function then you are going to have a hard time trying to perform that magic yourself um not that nothing at all will happen you kind of just can't help that if you do magic you're going to get some kind of effect even if it isn't very good or it wasn't intended or you don't really believe in magic i mean if that's the case that you are an individual who has no conceivable way of understanding the possibility of magic and you perform magic anyways more the, the most likely outcome would be that something happens or whatever and your psychic sensor blocks it out almost completely um you know that's just sort of a hypothetical though hopefully if you're listening to this show you are uh, you're not at that point because that's sort of not that's not on the level i'm talking about i'm sort of presuming that you uh, are interested in magic at all. <laughs> um, anyways, so moving back to altered states, um, an altered state of mind breaks down our typical understanding and relationship to consensus reality. That's, you know, the way things are, the way we agree that they are, right? Does that make sense? If you don't understand what I mean when I say consensus reality, like, you know, we all mostly agree that the earth is round, but there are some people who believe that the earth is flat and those people are living in in part outside of consensus reality, right? That's, that's what I mean when I say that phrase. Um, anyways, uh, so it breaks down our typical understanding and relationship to consensus reality and allows for us to experience strange phenomena. Uh, a simple example of this would be dreaming. Uh, dreaming definitely counts as an altered state of consciousness as it does differ greatly from our typical waking state. Also, in case you didn't know, I have an episode of my show um, about dreams and dreaming in the podcast feed, which you can check out if you're interested in me speaking more about dreams and dreaming. Um, anyways, so when we're dreaming, uh, we don't exactly have to question when weird things happen, like our bathroom is on the opposite side of the house, or we are flying, or, you know, weird things happen that we don't question and that we can't quite question the same way we can um, when it comes to our mundane lives, right? We can say, no, my bathroom can't mm, be on the opposite side of the house. This is the way the house was built. And that's that sort of thing in our waking state. And when we are dreaming, that's not necessarily the kind of thought process that we can, um, engage with in the same way. Not that you don't ever question when weird things happen in your dreams. I question, I'm a very vivid dreamer and in my dreams I sometimes ask questions like why is this happening? How could this be possible? But whether you have the ability to ask those questions of your dreams or not, it doesn't change the fact that in the reality of the dream, that's what's happening. What's happening is the bathroom is on the opposite side of the house and that's what's happening in the reality of the dream. Whereas that could never just happen out of nowhere in 
you know, your waking life, right? Uh, we can break down um, ways of initiating altered states of consciousness into a couple different categories. Um, and I guess this is excluding dreams, but dreams do count. Uh, so we have the excitatory method and we have the inhibitory method. And I'm sorry if you can hear a whole bunch of hacking noise in the background. There's nothing I can do about that. So excitatory methods being methods that require escalating stimulation to the point that the only thing left to focus on is your magical intent and inhibitory methods being the opposite. They require diminishing stimulation until all that's left to focus on is again your magical intent. So some examples of some excitatory methods are going to be one, orgasm, which I bring up for first because I do have an episode of my show speaking more about uh, orgasm as a method for, as, as a magical tool, sex as a magical tool. It's my episode just called Sex Magic. So overwhelming pain is another option, like flogging or um, other painful things like, you know, you know, I don't want I don't want to list a bunch of like overwhelmingly painful things that you can do to yourself um, as a way of initiating an altered state of consciousness, because I'm aware that like lots of people have issues with like self-harm and things of that nature. So pain. Yes, pain is an option. Um, and excer- excitatory type drugs. So like hallucinogens. Um ritual dancing or chanting, heightened emotional responses, which is something that really interests me, um, but that I've never tried in the case of using this for the sake of magic. These are all things that we typically experience. Um, So like being in overwhelming pain, that happens to lots of people. That's pretty normal. Pain is a fact of life, I think people say. Um, People do drugs pretty commonly. People uh, go to dance halls and they dance like crazy or, you know, whatever else. These are pretty common experiences, especially heightened emotional responses. There are so many times, I'm sure you can think of your own experiences, where you are so freaking hype on the high of whatever emotion you're experiencing, whether it's like righteous indignation for me. I experience that. I get really hype into it. You get, you just get like lost in the sauce. I know my mom, she's a very angry person and she does tend to get lost in her anger a lot. And it's so interesting to think about deploying that for magical purposes because honestly, it's very hard to control that. You know, the whole reason I haven't used a heightened emotional response. So for example, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. What if you used your anger as gnosis for a curse, right? That would be pretty impressive to me, but not something I could think of deploying because I just think it would be very difficult and very impressive to pull it off at least to wrangle in that emotion um, properly. You know, it's different just being like lost in your anger, typically, and being lost in your anger in the middle of a spell, which could like go wrong or produce undesirable effects. So just something to think about, just something that I like to think about. Um, And moving on, another example of excitatory methods of initiating an altered state of consciousness. 
um, would be any kind of sensory overload, generally speaking. Just like, imagine you stimulated all of your senses as much as possible all at once. So, you know, you have loud, loud music blasting, uh, like bright lights flashing, um, and you were being, I don't know, tickled or pinched or something, and you were smelling like, I don't know, onions, right? And like any sensory overload experience is going to catapult you into an altered state of consciousness. But keep in mind, even though these are really common experiences when you stop and think about them, the whole point of this discussion is that we are thinking about how we can use these for the sake of magic, all right? I'll talk about that a little more after we talk about some inhibitory methods, all right? Some examples of inhibitory methods of initiating an altered state of consciousness are going to be, you know, trance work, fasting, or like exhaustion. Like, personally, I would never want to fast ever for any reason, uh, but I understand that the beauty of magic is that you can figure out a different way of doing something, or you could do it your own way, and isn't that just amazing? Um, I generally am less excited about inhibitory methods just because of the fact that I don't like pain. I don't want pain. I don't like pain. I know I said the same thing twice, but just like, hear me out. You know, I mean, not pain necessarily because excitatory methods can also be like painful, but I mean like, you know, more like what would personally be something I could not stand. You know, fasting is just a thing that I personally could not stand. Uh, Exhaustion, so like uh, not sleeping for a good while, gazing, like um, gazing into like a, a candle flame or whatever else, inhibitory style drugs, so like trance inducing drugs, um, sensory deprivation tactics of any kind, really. Um, also, meditation, does that even need to be said that meditation would fit into this category? Anyways, back to the sensory deprivation. So, if you don't know, Um, I suggest that you do a little research into, um, solitary confinement in prisons because this is like, there's like a lot of information about it and, you know, learning about prisons is horrifying because prisons, uh, are super unreasonable and don't do a lot of good for society and on top of that, putting somebody in solitary confinement is literal torture it's defined that way by i believe the un um but you'll find that um people placed in solitary confinement uh experience intense hallucinations um and deteriorating um like brain functions so that is like that just goes to show you that like the human mind can be very sensitive to you know the right circumstances um, that's also something to keep in mind. Uh, generally speaking, prisons suck and they're horrible. Um, but uh, not so horrible is sensory deprivation spas that exist in certain places. Um, you also hear about people going to those and reporting back, you know, what do you know, hallucinations and things like that. So very interesting stuff. Uh, doing magic often requires ad- either magical thinking um, and an altered state or um, 
one or the other so that the magic can work. Um, Now, again, I mentioned, I don't think it all comes down to just, do you believe that it will work and then it will work? Um, But, you know, I think that's still an important aspect of uh, doing effective magic, right? Um, The benefits of altered states aren't just for the sake of magic, although um, it does do a lot of good that they, you know, break down our typical relationship to consensus reality. They allow for the possibility of magic. They sort of make magic possible to you, you know? Um, when, you know, you're in an altered state, just like in the example I gave about dreaming, when you're dreaming, it's not impossible that your bathroom would show up on the other side of the house or that uh, you would fly or things like that. Um, The same sort of goes for any other um, altered state. When you're in that altered state, these things become not just unlikely, Um, but still possible, but just, they just become possible, you know? Um, anyways, there are benefits that exist sort of, uh, alongside magic, but not necessarily directly related to it. Um, I'm sure you've heard, you know, people talk about the conscious mind being sort of the tip of the iceberg of the mind, generally speaking, and, Um, We can use altered states to help us become reconciled with ourselves and the darker aspects of who we are, um, sort of alongside our magic, inside of our magic, you know, it's just important to keep that in mind that, you know, there's magic we can do to um, better our circumstances and there's magic we can do to like better ourselves and an altered state of consciousness serves both of those purposes. uh, depending on how you deploy it. Uh, there's an episode of my podcast, which I mentioned about dreams and using them for the purpose of basically shadow work, um, in my podcast feed, which are in, if you're interested, you can find it in my feed. I mentioned that earlier. I'm just mentioning it again, because this is sort of more along the lines of what I was speaking of in the first place. Um, anyways, you can use, uh, dreams for the purpose of self-revelation, or you can use another kind of altered state of consciousness. That kind of thing isn't exclusive to dreams. Um, so altered states are very integral to magic, as I mentioned a bunch of times so far, because like I mentioned already, the magic makes, the altered state makes the magic possible. Um, the psychic sensor is weakened, magical thinking is easier than it is in the waking state, even though, you know, obviously it's still possible in your waking state. Um, through an altered state of consciousness, we can take advantage of the relationship between the material realm and the immaterial realm to make our magic possible, as well as help us on our, you know, eternal journey to reconciliation with the self, um, or, you know, doing shadow work, you know, in less exaggerated terms. (laughs) So how do I factor this into my practice exactly? Um, When I'm doing magic, I use a lot of gazing, chanting, uh, meditation, um, and of course I get myself off a whole hecking bunch, you know, you know what they say, one small step towards orgasm and one large step towards self-actualization. Am I right? 
Um, of course, I journal a lot about my dreams or scrying sessions, um, and that's like more a part of the self-growth aspect of my practice, but there's overlap and that's fine. Um, I think it's important for me to just mention before I forget that you can sort of layer the different methods together, but you can't use two opposite methods at the same time. Do you feel me? You can't do meditation and, um, let me think, okay, you can't do meditation and do like the right way of walking like you know if you go on a long walk and you sort of like get lost in in your mind that sort of thing you can't do those two things at the same time right you can't do an excitatory method and an inhibitory method at the same exact time but you can like switch between the two or you could use two different types of excitatory methods or you know whatever else whatever suits your fancy Uh, i tend to stick to what i know i'll be able to like feasibly pull off you might want to do the same um i don't want to fast a bunch uh i don't want to cut myself at all um from experience when i'm sleep deprived i am very primed for you know magic probably but i also like lose control of like my own self-defeating behavior and self-destructive behavior and it puts me in a really dangerous space so i don't like to do that for the sake of magic i don't want to choose something that i know i will most likely lose control of um obviously those are like judgments you can make for yourself but you know it's something to keep in mind probably if you know for a fact that you don't want to uh meditate just yet that would make you very uncomfortable there are other things you can do which i think is the great thing is that you could choose something else you could always choose something else you know when i was uh growing up uh and i was forced to spend a lot of time with my very very conservative religious fundamentalist paternal family um my grandmother would say to me that meditation will like make demons jump into you she used to say this about everything she would say if you wore black t-shirts demons would jump into you if you uh played video games demons would jump into you she said this about everything but i can understand if you were somebody who had to deal with that sort of thing you would feel uncomfortable in the beginning maybe doing meditation if that was something that you were told all your life would like ruin you basically and you could try something else you could try gazing or you could try uh going on long walks and doing that instead you know so anyways i'm sorry to say so but our time together has come to its conclusion but if you want to see and hear more from me until the next episode of the show you can find me on instagram as Raya.light, that's R-H-E-A dot L-I-T-E, and on YouTube as Raya Light, the same thing. Uh, my email, if you wanted to have a suggestion for the show or you want to write to me about your thoughts on some of the topics I've gone over on the show, uh, the email for that is called BabylonRisingPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to help me in the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and any of the ways of getting into touch with me that I've just mentioned are always linked in the description of the episode. Uh, For now, see you later, fellow celestial babes.